is Rocco, and you're listening to Sci-Fi Saturday Night. Sci-Fi Saturday Night. Computer, status report. Don't blink. Don't even blink. Blink and you're dead. No! It is TalkCast 110, and it's the beginning of the slow march to Boston Comic-Con on Sci-Fi Saturday night. Hello, 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 everyone. Deep in Area 51, it's been an interesting week, but then again, what week isn't interesting when you live in Area 51? I am the Dome. Joining the TalkCast tonight from the Revere Time Vortex, she should be moving a couch, but she's with us instead. It's the Princess of Snark herself, Kriana. Just the princess of snark. I gotta work harder. I aim for to be duchess and then queen of snark. From the Forkle of Alta Comics in Manchester, New Hampshire, he hurt his hand in a way most inappropriate for a colorist, Illustrator X. (laughs) Who is Jack Russell and why does he have so many dogs? And with him tonight, his lovely ingenue, our princess of darkness, with a side order of gloom in her bedazzled crypt, the dead redhead. Good evening, everyone. I love that sexy voice you do, darling. Me too. <laughs> Thank you very much. It makes me shiver. From the... <laughs> all right. Calm down. I'm going to put the hose on all of you. You're again. lucky I'm 45 minutes away. From the outpost Gallifrey Nymphomaniac Catch and Relief Center, it's the Deku Nut Tri Sword Salesman of the Year, Captain Segway himself. It's Awake by Java. Oh, that was. That, I, think, oh, I think you mean Triforth? Yeah, it's Triforth. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Tri, the Tri-Sword is a whole different thing. It's not even in Zelda, so. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. He doesn't want the prize. He just wants to make sure you're correct. <laughs> <laughs> you, can keep the, you can keep the cookie. Trust me. You I can will. keep the Deku nuts. Yeah, but who couldn't? Joining us tonight for the entire hour is author, comic book artist, and incredibly interesting guy uh, from Star Warp Concepts, writer and uh, author of the Pandora's Zwieback. Zwieback? Zwieback? Help me out here, Steve. Zwieback. 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 Series. Steve Roman. Steve, nice to have you with us. Uh, am I calling number three? What did I win? Uh, <laughs> you won an interview on Sci-Fi Saturday Night. Oh boy! Does that come with like a coupon or something? No. We'll oh. get you. Coupon. <laughs> the, the, the Sci-Fi Saturday Night coupon, which doesn't exist. Yes. <laughs> Look for it in your inbox, nobody. Stupid coupons. Pay five dollars <laughs> to get five free episodes. Is that how that works? Yes. That would be brilliant. We should do that. We are going to do that. We'll do that at Boston It's a great deal. It's an incredible deal. Anyhow, here we are. It's episode 110. It's been one of those weird weeks again where I thought nothing was happening, and then we all sat down and we went, 
holy crap, this happened, this happened, this happened, and this happened. But once again, our Facebook poll blew up. In a good way. Well, yeah, always in a good way. So do you want me to do the sexy voice again? Oh, my gosh, please, yes. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm guessing that means yes. Sorry, Illustrator X. (laughs) So we asked everybody what their favorite musical was. And when we did that, um, and we tried to encourage people. Their favorite sci-fi. Their sci-fi or horror musical, I'm sorry. And so we um, were hoping for some. Well, we got back up into the 70s, which means we still have 30-some people that need to, to get onto our polls because we were shooting for 100. But um, the winner this week of the best mu- or most favorite musical is, once again, old school, Rocky Horror Picture Show won by, 20, by one vote. It won with 20 votes. Over- uh, I, just, I just voted. <laughs> over Dr. Which Horrible. That Dr. Horrible ties Rocky Horror. <laughs> <laughs> so, Dr. Horrible Laundry came game. in at number 19. I'm sorry, Java, you did it after 8 o'clock. That's oh. after the rolls. I'm sorry. And then Buffy came in third with 9. There's a major discrepancy there. So we went old school, new school, and where does Buffy fit in there? Middle school? <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> it was, somebody added Exorcist the Musical, which, you know, I'm not familiar with that one. So. Wait, I got to add in Spider-Man. X- no, it's in there. It's in there. I added, I added, um, Reefer Madness. Uh. Yes, and and someone had the audacity to add in Hedwig in the Angry Inch. I don't get how that's sci-fi exactly. Me either, but that's okay. I mean, <laughs> how, I don't see how Phantom is sci-fi or... either. Rista? I, I mean, I mean, she's transgendered. Hedwig is. Yeah. Hedwig is, yeah, and so I get that, and it's very trippy. But the young lady who who put that in there is adorable. You'd love her. Okay, well, let us excuse her poor definition of science fiction. I'm sorry. You, I'm I think we ha- I think since Phantom made the list, we have a poor definition of musical. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that may be true. Wait, wait. You'll notice it's Phantom of the Paradise. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, X. You were trying to say something. Yes, uh, I noticed that um, I, it wasn't on the list, but you told me that you got to see a production years ago of Godzilla the Musical. Why? The first, the first half is told from the people. In Tokyo, of the village, and then the That's second right. half is a giant, is a guy, guy in, a god- in a Godzilla suit, and the big, the the musical number that is the big piece of the second half of the show is Tab Dance on Tokyo. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. <Jesus>. musical. <laughs> why? Why does that remind me of Tommy Pickles going to see uh, <laughs> uh, what's this, Reptile on Ice? <laughs> <laughs> I was actually thinking God. that. <laughs> Damn it. <Wow. laughs> I, I so wanted to see that show, and the night that I was supposed to go, it got cut short because the guy who was in the Godzilla suit was also the guy who was the pirate parrot in Pittsburgh, and he got busted on drug charges. <laughs> Coincidence? <laughs> or conspiracy? There was no understudy for Godzilla. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, 
Not everybody. Wait a minute. The weird guys will tell you that not everybody can put on the rubber suit. There we Uh, go. (laughs) Oh, my God. What else is in the news? Yeah, where the hell do we want to go? Well, maybe now? not oh. everybody can. <laughs> wait, wait a minute! I no, no, no! Don't you dare, Java! Well, I have the sound effect already. Come on! Wait, Java? No. <laughs> Bad Java. No. Bad Java. I want to take a minute before we go anywhere else and talk about one of our previous guests, uh, yes. Michael J. Sullivan. Yeah, he's, pretty, he's cool. Um, so, Michael J. Sullivan's book, Theft of Swords, which contains the first two installments of his series, Der- oh man, I don't know if I can say it, The Reria Chronicles? Yep, you got it. Oh, sweet. Okay, so that launched on Wednesday to Much Affair, and there will be a link on the page to his post about the book launch. There are pictures, there were goodies there, uh, it was in Virginia, so we missed it, but... We were there in spirit. We were there in spirit, and and Michael was was a great guest, and, and a, it was a really cool interview and, and a lot of fun talking to him, uh, especially about the whole process that he went through in uh, getting this book out. So, Michael, congratulations, and uh, I hope it does really, really well. Okay, Java, you can perv out now. <laughs> Nothing pervy about it. <laughs> Oh, sorry. Except, uh, except, except the the prospect of a of a mile high blue penis in your face. <laughs> okay, that's where you're going with that. Uh, well, I mean, maybe not everybody can put on a rubber suit, but everybody can take one off, uh, and some people will be for uh, Watchmen Two because it's no! happening. No, no. Why did Watchmen One happen? Hey, Watchmen One was a good. It was movie. horrible. It was terrible. I stand, I stand by the fact that it was a it was a it was a good movie. It was a no. good translation of the of I mean it wasn't as good as the comic book, but it was a good movie. If you haven't uh, read the comic book, it was literally unwatchable. Thank you. Okay. But but uh, there should be no Watchmen so Two. Watchmen Two. Will it be called it make Blue it, Penis it, in three D? No, Watchmen Two Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> <laughs> I really want that to be the title in the worst possible wow. way. Watchmen well, here's two. the thing: What's they have to get to they have to get through Watchmen two to get get through Watch to Watchmen three D. That's what they need to do. That's uh, what oh no! Blue penis in three D. This is what America needs. As if Avatar wasn't bad enough. Now we're you know going- you know we really we really rag on three D, but I'll I'll say this. Uh, if you do a comparison of reviews on almost any review site, uh, critics hate 3D, but ge- the general public likes it. I hate it, and I'm the general public. It gives me a headache. Yeah, I was going to say there's an awful lot of people uh, who, who are walking out of there with incredible headaches, and I'm one of them. Well, but you, but you hear all of the complaining, but you don't hear all of the people who just say, oh, that was pretty cool. Well, they um, should say something then. Well, and they do. <laughs> I, I, if you look on Rotten Tomatoes, the 3D films get good reviews from the people who go to see them. It's just that there's a lot of critics are very down on 3D. Although, one of the critic, uh, a few noted critics said that Hugo uh, Yeah, I was just about to mention that. was fantastic. They said that it was really, really good. I really want to see that. Critics critics say that the 3D is done, is adds to the movie in that that film. So maybe it just took Steven Spielberg to figure out how to use it. 
What the hell is Watchmen 2 going to be about? <laughs> Nobody knows. Tribbles, well, yeah. You're, you're, the, you're the comic book expert here, X. You tell me. There wow. is no Watchmen 2. The Wrath of Alan Moore. Alan <laughs> <laughs> Moore's not involved in the project, so yeah, I'm, ama- I'm amazed that he's not going to be a little bit pissed. Oh, good lord. I mean... Yep. It really doesn't matter because, of course, you know, the studio owns the property. They're going to do what they would do with it. And yep. Right. Well, totally the way that one works. And, of course, you know, when it comes to people doing things with properties, you really have to wonder, who made the decision? <laughs> who made the decision for all of the ghosts on American Horror Story to be so horny? <laughs> I don't know who, but damn it, it works. No, not really. It doesn't make any sense. Although, I'll, I'll say this. Um, I've been watching Being Human, the UK version. Yeah. That's actually, I, you know, I got through the first season and the half of the second season of that, and it's pretty good. Yeah. I, I thought it was kind of boring. And, and the ghost, Annie, is yep. making overtures towards various people throughout the... Yep. I, it, I mean, it makes sense. Wow. I guess. It's... Uh, uh, the you friendly know, ghost, the friendliest ghost you know. Well, let's... let's puts a whole it, different spin on Casper. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody put a spin on Casper this week. Ooh, baby. Huh? By the way, Casper's my nickname for Tate. Uh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, the episodes are are getting stranger and stranger. I've, I've contended that it's been fairly unwatchable for about the past two or three episodes. Why? No, it's pretty awesome. <laughs> You know, I I actually opted out at the point where uh, you, you committed suicide. When? No, where the <laughs> yes, thank you. Where the gay couple? Um, oh, are you kidding me? Zach, What's his Zach? N- Zach? He was actually fairly epic as a gay man. Yeah, I and that was my problem. With yeah, that. he's really good. He was he's terrific. an amazing. I mean, I think he's a really good actor. He makes an awesome gay man. Who well, would have thought? A reason for that. As well as oh, really? <laughs> is he really gay? I have no idea. Like yes, like he is. is. Oh. Well, then, that he played an amazing straight man in that other stuff he was in. Wow. Yes, he did. <laughs> wow. He's very believable as a gay man. Maybe there's a reason. But, I mean, that was the point where I opted out, only because at that point... Okay, you can't say opt out anymore, because on Walking Dead, opt out means you kill yourself. Well, yeah. <laughs> That's true. So now when everyone says opt out. You know, when they say, we're going to resolve this, they mean by halfway through the season. Yeah, like, (laughs) what the fuck, Walking Dead? It only took whatever, however, ten episodes to get... Oh, man. That should have been two two episodes max for this stupid Sophia subplot. And that's all it was, was a subplot that took how many episodes? Seven? I know. What the fuck? There's a long way to go for nothing. I mean, last week we talked about why they shouldn't still be on the farm. But they are. They shouldn't be allowed to have guns anymore. (laughs) Shane should just die. Yeah, Shane needs to die. I know, I've read the comics. I've read the comics. You don't need to spoil me. (laughs) Although, you know... Now, the money is on that the kid is going to shoot Shane by the end of the season. Yes, I hope he does. <laughs> that would be awesome. Okay, it what are the odds? Be... 
Oz? 50-50, Rick or Carl? I'm going Rick Carl won't do it. Rick oh, no, 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 no. His, Lori, Lori or Carl? Lori will do it. Carl Lori needs to get a lot more. <laughs> Carl needs to get a lot more screwed up. He needs to get really screwed up. I don't know. I feel like Carl's intrinsically screwed up because of like. Maybe he'll find a cache of like uh, you know anime porn or something and just get messed up. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> what's a tentacle, mommy? Mommy, what's a tentacle? <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> we better move on from this real fast. Wow. Speaking of unwatchable. Yes. Go yes. X. They have found the original work print of the worst film of all time. That's right. Thanos. Watchmen? The hands of fate. They found it, and they are restoring this movie. And I don't know if you can actually watch it without Joel and the bots, but... Restore the crap out of that movie. It was actually a pretty neat story, though. The guy the guy was like saw this ad for on eBay for these prints from a guy who had collected them. And yeah. they just didn't want to move them, so he went. He was going through the box, and there were there were a variety of different prints of Manos, and um, and he came across one tin that said work print. It was printed on yeah. there in pen, and sure enough, it's an original work print from the movie. And that's hey, that's a pretty good find, you know. I I don't know yeah. how much he spent oh, yeah. on the, but I mean that's that's pretty awesome. Garage I mean, I sale bargains. I mean, yeah. you know, this this was actually a good week for fines because uh, Action One Comics this week, yes, a single one that was in pristine condition, sold for two point one six million dollars. That's not really a bargain. About this is like the fifth or sixth action number one that they found for being the this these these things are like the Highlanders. Okay, they're supposed to be there's, there's, there can only be one. Just like okay, there's six of you in the entire world, and then we go to the TV show, and there's a thousand of them, and it's like this comic book. It's like we're getting so much money because they're so in such rare, rare well, issue, and then suddenly they keep finding them. So like what? somebody's going back in a time machine and scattering them all over the place. You or know, something. well, <laughs> what I think is really interesting is that in 1992. One um, or this same comic went for eighty six thousand, yeah, and it was sold in ninety seven for one hundred and fifty grand. But a couple uh, back in two thousand ten, one of these comics, this one of these comic books was sold, and it wasn't in as good of a shape, and it was sold for one point five million. So there's yep. been a huge change in the value of comics in the past ten years, and you know, I mean, an immense change. So, and I think I think that I know why. I think I know why comic books. It's because all the geeks are making lots of money now. <laughs> that is a good Some of them are for sure. Some of but them, this yeah. is Some th- more this than is why <laughs> this is why I go to garage sales. Yeah, because I'm gonna find one and I'm gonna <laughs> sell it. You gonna sell that motherfucker and then you're gonna buy a house in Malibu. <laughs> and then I'm gonna buy and and then I'm gonna buy a uh, more fun comics number six to fill out my collection. <laughs> a bold move, sir. Would that be the first Plastic Man, or what, who is it? Can I touch your Deku nuts? <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> Wait till the show's over, dear. Oh, sorry. <laughs> oh my. Well, you know, I mean, when it comes to rare things, uh, it, it's rare that in these in these times that a television show of such 
uh, quality from the oh, past would be, re- would be remade. And, uh, of course, the Munsters is getting that, that treatment. Oh. Um, I know that it's Yeah, we've been there, talked about that. Ed Gwynn is dead. What are we going to do? Hey, but Brian Singer is going to do the pilot. And and Brian Singer's a pretty good... You know? Oh, Oh my God. There's some jokes I could say, but I won't. Why? No, I'm not. Because they're rude. Because we need to talk about gift ideas for the holidays. Actually, we should. Before we run out of time. Um... I, I don't have a bad enough segue song for that. <laughs> that was the worst segue. Okay, I'm going to just go with this. Oh, drat these computers. They're so naughty and so complex. I could pinch them. Just for you, Illustrator X. I'm going to play that once per episode because it's just for you. And you know what, though? If your computer has been naughty... And you want to, you know, if your computer is down in the dumps and you want to spruce things up a bit, my gift idea for the holidays is perfect. Although it's going to be a while till you get it. You do have only about a month to pop down the 350 bucks that this costs, but it, was, it, it would be totally worth it. And, and there's going to be a link in the show notes, but recently, uh, and it's been going around the blogs, there's been a project by a guy who's basically uh, taken all of this multi-touch stuff and taken it to the next level. And he's made a keyboard and a mouse that are curved glass and use cameras and infrared in order to track what you touch. So if your keyboard gets dirty, if it's been a naughty keyboard and you want to keep (laughs) things nice and clean, (laughs) go ahead and... uh, you, you Go have ahead and multi-touch. Oh, it's it's a really it's it's the coo- the coolest thing about this keyboard is that there are no moving parts, so nothing will break, no keys will come unstuck, and it, you can wipe it clean with a nice you know uh, uh, Windex bottle and yeah. some paper towels, oh. <laughs> or you know whatever. And and not only that, but it's getting such a response on Kickstarter. I don't know if you guys have seen that, that site that if it goes over the last really big one, which was the TikTok watch that was an iPod Nano that you put inside of a watch. Uh, they raised, their goal was $1,500. They raised 900 and something thousand. And huh. he's already, he's already uh, bested his goal by 24,000 or 25,000. If he reaches that level, he's going to double the rewards. So you'd get two keyboards and two m- mice for 350 bucks. So you can gift them to a friend that you really like. Nice. Very nice. Check it out. It's amazing. We it's will a- link through that. Dead Redhead, your holiday gift idea. I thought for somebody, if you don't have a lot of cash to spend and you have a nice little circle of friends, you'd like to give something to them because they've been sweet to you and you'd like to be sweet to them, that you could get them some of the Han Solo and Carbonite chocolate bars. They have those <laughs> in Think Geek. Um, the Think Geek catalog and thinkgeek.com and you get uh, the packaging is certainly not ecologically friendly because there's a ton of it apparently but um, you do get to have your own little chocolate bar of Han Solo in carbonite. Something to uh, stuff your stocking with? (laughs) Careful. I'll stuff your stocking. (laughs) Kriana. Your gift idea, Kriana. 
Well, like Java said, if your computer is down in the dumps, get rid of it and get an iPad. <laughs> seriously. You mean an Etch-a-Sketch? No, I mean an iPad. Oh. Seriously, seriously, I, you know... Is there an Etch-a-Sketch app for the iPad? Because I want it. I think there must be. <laughs> Then Illustrator X will know what to do with it when he sees one. <laughs> but, like, no, people who haven't actually played with one of these don't understand why it's such a big deal. You really can't until you have one in your hand, and then you're like, how did I ever live without this? And the answer is, you lived poorly, sir. <laughs> Seriously, right now I'm using my iPad to control the sound effects for the show. Oh, oh yeah, oh yeah. Etch a sketch HD for iPad. <laughs> it's only three dollars. Guess who's be going to the App Store and downloading it right now? Me. No, I'm looking for uh, free ones. Oh, okay, Illustrator X. Oh, I stumbled upon um, HarlanBooks.com is basically Harlan Ellison's site on Cafe Press, and he's got a series of limited edition books coming out, including um, the first one in his series is a very limited edition, signed by Harlan Ellison, signed by J. Michael Straczynski, with a ton of old scripts, including stuff he did for The Outer Limits, Star Trek, The Alfred Hitchcock Hour, and all the stuff you used to you know grow up with when you didn't have iPads you had these giant monolithic books that they made buildings out of back in the day and it's a mere $75 for your pleasure yay harlan that's an incredibly good price for that stuff for yeah. me yeah well i just got an etch a sketch etch uh, <laughs> app for my ipad and it's in <laughs> french and it's free <laughs> uh, wait a minute but they'll be all, you know, European lines. <laughs> it's got a rhino on it. Hey, guess Woo! what? When you're done drawing, Kriana can ink it. Yeah, inking is fun. <laughs> for me, I chose something that I thought was incredibly relevant uh, for my frame of reference, only because every time we go to a con, I get accused of hanging with the cosplayers. Because because they're so hot, you just do it. We have pictures. Yeah, we have documented evidence. Okay, all right, so I do. We've had to appear in court, sir. (laughs) We have not appeared in court yet. Not that we won't. And and Steve, if you're going to be at Boston, you will see this. Sorry. Probably already have. Probably you already have. Uh, You're probably right. Anyhow, um... So I figured if I was going to have to join them, the Batman adult onesie with cape oh, and boots. My. Oh, my. By onesie, does this mean it has feet? Not only does it have feet, it's got the trapdoor in the back and everything. <laughs> wow. Well, then a- you will fit right in. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> and you call the trapdoor the boy wonder. <laughs> Ooh. Oh, we've got a whole different That's route. True. You wouldn't think it would be the Robin outfit that would have that. <laughs> well, Steve, do you have any uh, last-minute holiday gift ideas to throw at us? Why, I think the best one of all would be a copy of Blood Feud, the saga of Pandora's Lieback. <gasps> what? From me? 
And if not, you can always get season six of Doctor Who. <laughs> wow, season that was the Patrick six? Troughton era. Season, the or, actual seasons? Or, or should I say series six now? That they Thank they you. There you go. <laughs> Nerd. <laughs> Sorry, my doctor wears a scarf. Uh, really? My doctor wears a bow tie because bow ties are cool. Uh, what else is cool? Stetsons. <laughs> Guys, you that know, show's still on. In, in the land of the doctors, it really has become, why can't we all just get along? Yeah, seriously, why can't we all just get along? Because the doctors are all... Because Amy's a own. pain in the ass. Hey, Amy's really fucking hot, so leave yeah. her alone. I didn't... I, I, but when she opens that mouth, you... you she's even to... hotter, because she's Scottish. <laughs> yeah, she's Scottish, and also... Leggy. Uh, <laughs> you know, guys, guys, why are we fighting about her when there's still Billy Piper? Because Sorry. Billy Piper's ugly. No, Billy Piper no. is gorgeous. Her lips are deformed. And she, her That's okay. Don't match I will help make them right. I have no problem eye, with this. Her Ew. eyebrows don't match her hair. Yeah. <laughs> it bugs me. Well, oh, Lord, 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 Lord. Which brings us to the halfway point of the show, at which we say hello again to Steve Roman so that we can talk about his new series of books, The Saga of Pandora's Wyback. That's me. Steve, let me, let me, just, let me start by saying <laughs> this. Oh, God, here comes the pontificate. God damn right it does. Ew. Get used to it. Kill me. Okay. I'm Where's opting out of this. Where's the gunshot? <laughs> he's got his Silmarillion Nobody voice. gave me one. Mm-hmm. About four months ago, you sent me a blind email. And I looked at it and I kind of went, this is going to be cool. I think. I like the pictures. <laughs> well, I didn't know. You know, I mean, because... Trust me, I, we get some of these blind emails, and we look at it, and we go, uh-huh, hmm Well, you see, it wasn't exactly a blind email, because you came up to me at Boston in April. You, you stopped at my table, and you said, have any of my people spoken to you yet? That's and right. I said no, and you gave me your card and said to send you stuff. So I did. And then I got the book in the mail. And I started reading it. And as I started reading it, I kept calling up Kriana going, he put this in. He put that in. He put this in. And but I was like, God, yeah, I still haven't read it. Sorry. No, but when I don't said, give it up. That's right. I said, when I got to the point where you mentioned Malice Miser. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was weird. I just kind of went, holy shit. He's my research. He's researched the game. You, you, and this, you don't understand, a- though. It's like I liked them in high school. Like, I listened to them all the time. I have all their music, and I bought their little sound boxes with the music boxes in them. Yes, you did. They were $100. I know they were. <laughs> well, thank God for Gothic Beauty Magazine, because that's what turned me on to it. Oh, my God. Nice. Is there anything better than that? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> So you've created a universe that Pandora lives in 
And it's yeah. a really, really interesting universe. And we're going to go total no spoilers with this. Sure. How, however, the world that we live in, that you and I live in, there is an underworld. And Pandora walks the line between the two of those worlds. God, that sounds so self-important. Thank you. I thought <laughs> Why I is borderline pretentious, that sort of description? Border, well, uh, or, or as we call it, pontificating. <laughs> <laughs> and what I really like, thank you, <laughs> and what I really liked about the book was the way you introduced the readers to this other world. Can we talk about the other side of New York City? Gothopolis. Gothopolis. Where did Gothop- it come? Yeah, where did it come from? And, and exp- explain to the listeners what it's about. Uh, Gothopolis is the city of monsters within the city of New York that has always existed since the original New York Dutch colony. But we normal people can't see it because there's a magical spell. As uh, the uh, the secondary lead, uh, Sebastian says it's the greatest spell ever woven. It's basically stealing Doctor Who terminology. It's a perception filter, where being New Yorkers, we can actually look at things that are really odd and really not give a damn. And that's the perception filter. We just accept it for what it is, or we don't see it at all. And Gothopolis is this. Uh, it's a it's a myth within New York City that uh, Pan, as it turns out, lives in with everyone else. Uh, the word I don't I came up with the word back in 1998. I think somebody else has used it since then, but um, I thought it sounded neat. The whole history of New York came up while I was watching uh, the the documentaries, the the Ken Burns documentaries on uh, New York. Or wasn't Ken, it was his brother. Um, and just the whole history of New York has always interested me. So I thought, what if there were a monster colony that settled at the same time as the Dutch colonists? And then it sort of spread from there, from being a New York neighborhood to the invisible city that you can't see. And you set up a, an interesting cast of characters in this as well. You have... Pan and Annie as almost a a, a, a a team. Pan is 16 and Annie is 400. Right. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it, the, the Starsky and Hutch of the, uh, the horror scene. The, when I pitched the book series originally, actually I almost had sold this book series back in 1998 to uh, Parachute Press. Uh, which is the company R.L. Stein owns, the the Goosebumps author. Mm -hmm. And uh, I pitched it to them back then with a slightly different approach to it. The the way I normally describe this to people uh, at conventions is 16-year-old goth teams up with 400-year-old shape-shifting monster hunter. When I pitched it to Parachute Press, if you turned it around, you'd see where I actually got the idea from. It's uh, a being hundreds of years old, who can change their appearance, who fights monsters with the aid of a female companion. So I knocked ah. off Dr. Who. 
And Pandora is not Annie's first companion. No. No, actually, you meet one of her other companions in the book, one of uh, Annie's previous companions, uh, Isadora Maldonado, who's uh, a, a little old Puerto Rican woman uh, who was one of her sidekicks for a while. Uh, but Annie's history goes back 400 years, so there are many untold stories that uh, I can always tap into. So we have Annie and Pan, and then we have her divorced parents, David yes. and Karen, who are possibly the oddest pairing to have ever been married, ever. <laughs> it just doesn't seem like there was ever a way based on where they are now, that they ever should have been together. Because he's the horror nerd, and she's not. She's, she's so straight, it's painful. Uh, she has her quirks. She likes to ride her Harley. But uh, that's, that's not a euphemism. That's her motorcycle. That's <laughs> hey, hey, you know what? We don't discriminate against straight people. I'm sure they're very interesting sometimes. That's <laughs> Thank you, Kriana. <laughs> Just saying. So, no, actually a friend of mine complained that, that I didn't make the, uh, her parents antagonistic enough toward one another. Oh, my God. Are you serious? Since, since they're divorced. And, <laughs> and I said, yeah, but it wouldn't really work for the book if they hated each other. Someone, someone had issues of their own, I think. <laughs> yeah, I mean. <laughs> like, were someone else's parents divorced? Someone have undealt with issues? No, he just thought that that was that actually entered into the fantasy realm of the book. <laughs> okay. So and and then David, her father, owns a museum. Uh, Fields House of Horrors and Mystical Antiquities. But it's and, not really a museum, is it? I mean, it's a it's, it's, a, it's, it's a storefront where he's got a lot of junk in it. It's, yeah. Uh, <laughs> It's it's almost like a secondhand store, except he runs it like a museum, in that there are display cases and he'll put on exhibitions and uh, he just keeps trying to make it work. He's a former high school English teacher who wanted to follow his dream of being uh, a horror museum owner. So he settled for a storefront in the Astoria neighborhood of Queens and. Uh, he tries his best to make it work. And for a while, Karen, his wife, went along with that until it a little antagonistic because Bill's versus dream got to be a problem. Um, well, that's, that's not the only thing. I mean, Pandora is also schizophrenic. Or at least they think she is. Well, she's been diagnosed, but, but as it turns out, perhaps that's not true. So you were trying to avoid the spoilers there. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Don't give anything away here. I still intend on reading this someday when you give me the book. Jesus. Yeah, Pray <laughs> it for my cold, dead hands, you damn dirty. I will. <laughs> you just said you wanted to opt out anyway. That, that, re that reminds me of a, of a conversation I had with, uh, with a girl at uh, New York Comic Con this past October where she bought the book with a friend of hers, came back the next day and said, what did you do to me? He said, okay, what's this? 
And she said, well, I started reading the book last night and I can't stop. And her friend said, yeah, she won't let me have the book either. (laughs) It's very addictive. It it truly is. It was one of those things where it was very difficult for me to put it down. Well, that's the idea. Mm. (laughs) So is there only the one book? So far, right? So far, yes. Uh, Are there more books planned? There are at least six. Oh, wow. There we go. There we go. It's a series. I ain't no dope. (laughs) <laughs> I bet you aren't afraid of no ghosts either. No. These, these kids today, with their horror and their fiction, they like the series, so I'll give them a series. So, so what's the timeline on this series? It's a book a year with uh, a comic book annual in the gap between novels. Great, now I have to wait six years to read them. Yes. Wait, I, I'd like to talk to you about your comics for a second. Steve, yes. you, I, in my collection, I have from one of the first uh, small press expo conventions yep. that I went to, which was probably about 2000? 1999. 1999, somewhere in there. Right. And you had a Wonder Woman story, story that ah. you had done that yeah. you, you blew it up. It was an, an oversized and it was where Wonder Woman takes a, a pie to the puss, as it were, from from Harley. From Harley Quinn. And wait you, a minute, why don't I have? Yeah, yeah. Wait a minute. You had a limited edition of them, and, and you were explaining how you were trying to work for DC, and they refused because of the story you wrote. And, and Harley and Wonder Woman just got into it, and the pie was just so gooey. Oh, stop. <laughs> is this a euphemistic pie? Tell me it was a euphemistic pie. You know no. what? I'm slapping everybody right now. <laughs> that, that came about, um, and actually, what I what I was doing was selling uh, cardstock copies of the art that I did, which was full size. So I didn't blow it up. That was the actual size of the art that I drew. Oh, okay. And uh, that came about. I used to work for a guy named Byron Price who uh, was a book packager for a long time and uh, then became a book publisher with a company called iBooks, Inc. Wait, what's a book packager? A book packager, well, they don't use them as much anymore, is uh, it's a company that will, say, either create a project or purchase the rights to a license and then go to a book publishing company, say you know, Random House or Penguin or whatever, and say, I have this project. Do you want to publish it? This is what it will cost you for me to put this together for you. Hmm. And that's what a book packager does. Interesting. So, uh, Byron had been doing that for about 20 years by the time I started working for him. Uh, one day, he took me to a meeting with some of the editors at DC because he was trying, I think, to get novel rights to the DC characters because he'd already gotten ones for the Marvel characters. There were a line of uh, novels, original novels, based on the Marvel Comics characters in the mid to late 90s that were published through Berkeley Books. Mm-hmm. And so Byron was trying to get the DC characters as well. So we go to this meeting, we all wind up going to this Italian restaurant around the corner from DC where they had tablecloths where you could, you know, the kids have crayons and you draw on the tablecloth. And so while they were talking business, I was drawing Wonder Woman with a crayon. 
And <laughs> one of the editors looked over and went, hey, that's really good. That looks like the kind of Batman adventure stuff we're doing. Do you have any samples? And I did because I really don't consider myself an artist. I'm more of a cartoonist who, you know, I dabble with drawing. I'm mainly a writer. So I came up with this three-page story of Wonder Woman meeting Harley, uh, where Harley calls her Wonder Bra and hits her in the face with a pie, <laughs> calls, calls her Princess Pie Hole, and, uh, and then Wonder Woman gets really angry and chases her down to try and kill her. And Harley runs into Batman, who's already beaten up the Joker. And so it was three pages, and I handed that in, and I said, what do you think? And they went, oh, that's, um, yeah. That's really nice. We, we, um, we really can't do anything with that. And I said, well, it's not for you to do anything with. You asked me for samples. And they went, yeah, we showed it around. And some people thought it was kind of funny, but um, yeah, thanks. And <laughs> so what that seemed to mean was they, they didn't like that I was making fun of their characters. So... <laughs> So, That's so, it's such a cute story, too. We've showed it to our friends, and everybody always loves it whenever we show it to them. Yeah, I, I are you saying it. that DC had no sense of humor? There we go. Gee, how oh, could that, that ever happen? happen? At that time, there may have been a regime change since then. I don't know. <laughs> Not that they'll ever hire me. I don't really... You know. <laughs> we don't need them. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I did that for fun, and then I just decided, oh, the hell with it. I'll just sell copies of it at conventions. And then eventually, for those who want to look, I posted it on my DeviantArt page. Oh, hello. Is, I'll be going there momentarily. <laughs> Joe's like, is the show over yet? I'm honored to have one of your original copies. <laughs> original copies. Yeah. Yes, it's an original copy. Yeah. Hmm. Well, it's cardstock. It's originally known as a lithograph. <laughs> it's a very high quality copy. And I really need to kill somebody to get one for me. Or you can just print it out from the DeviantArt. <laughs> Dome for Christmas. I'll print it out on my laser printer. Ah, there we go, my girl. Thank you so much. I'm looking it up right now. It's the link is right on the page, sweetheart. <laughs> Now, Steve, you say you don't consider yourself a cartoonist, really, and yet you go to New York Comic Con, you're going to be at Boston Comic Con next year, so... I well, mean, that's you... because... Wow, that's it's... a snappy tie. Sorry. Right, thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> we'll have to picture that what... snappy tie up, too. And, and what you can't see is, Doctor Who nerd that I am, that's not a jacket I'm wearing, it's a frock coat. Nice. Oh, <laughs> you know what? This is not in color. I see Photoshop coming out. No, it's no. When, when I posted those pages on DeviantArt, I said that to everyone out there: if you want to take a crack at coloring it, I'd love to see how it turns out. I don't have so, a book for that one. <laughs> but the uh, I, I go to comic conventions because that's generally where the audience for Pan really is, um, because. It's horror, but I have a comic background. It doesn't really fit so much at horror conventions. And the couple of book festivals that I went to are a little more highbrow than a guy showing up selling dark urban fantasy novels. No, I think Boston Comic Con is a great venue for your work. 
Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Well, I went this year. The book hadn't come out yet. So I did what I usually do, which is I show up with a stack of uh, Pandora's Wipeback preview comic books, which is Pan introducing herself to the reader and talking about the book series, yep. uh, which is available as a PDF download from the Pandora's Wipeback website. And I would just talk to people about the book and give them the pitch. So now I'll go back next year to Boston to see if they'll actually give me money. And, the and then you got some glamorous interviews on shows like Sci-Fi Saturday Night. That's, That's right. right. That's right. It, be, it beats the three-part interview I did with myself that I put on the Pandora's <laughs> site. <laughs> Aww. <laughs> I'm an, I'm an attention whore. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> yeah, it, it was works. funny because when when we met last year at Boston, I you know I see I have the comic by the way uh, from uh, from Boston from last year. Right. And I was wondering, you know, as as you know, as as we were going through the process, and I was actually reading the book, you know, I remembering what we talked about and and the pitch, and you were very earnest and and. I got to tell you, you, you hit it. You hit oh, it yeah. nicely. I really like, I like the series a lot. I like the characters a lot. Well, if you don't care for Pan, then the book isn't going to work at all. And so I've tried to really make her as likable and realistic as possible, given the situation that she's in. Um, so she's very humorous and playful but very serious because she has these uh, alleged mental problems in her past. Uh, and there are hints of a, uh, a dark past that, uh, that are in the book, but I'm actually taking the book series as an actual series. So there are subplots that will carry through the other books. One of the things that you introduced at the very beginning of the book, first of all, the, the book starts... And it reminded me the the, the intro uh, reminded me kind of of like uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, where you're watching these people running around doing stuff. You're not really sure what it's all about. You begin to get glimpses of of what's happening, and then you realize that you're dealing with demons. Right. The, and the, the, you the introduced book. you introduced this whole demon class to us right off the bat, and and. It's it's only maybe about 20, 30, 40 pages in that you get to the point where you realize that it's not a separate universe. It is, in fact, our universe. Yes. With that, to me, is the freaky part, and it works very nicely. Uh, I, I take my early cues from Stephen King in that you, you throw a lot of pop culture references into something to ground it in reality. Um, but the rest of it is I, I'm treating it as though it were all one normal world. It just happens to be some of these people are vampires or fallen angels or monsters or whatever. Um, the, uh, the way Pan is introduced, the way uh, her first sort of revelation in the book comes about, I try to ground as much as possible in reality in terms of how she deals with people and then how she has to deal with the problem that she goes through. Um, Annie is more of the action-adventure heroine. So 
she gets the the sort of you know the Mia Jovovich approach. She gets to go in and <laughs> kick everybody's ass. Yeah, she does, doesn't she? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's what she's there for. And um, so it the book starts with a flashback because that's my Highlander influence. And nice. uh, and then goes to an action scene, and then it finally introduces Pan, um, because I thought you needed sort of an action opening to get people's attention and to show that you know this isn't Twilight. Oh, thank God! Yes, thank you. <laughs> I, I will say in the no spoilers vein, there's not a goddamn sparkling vampire in it. Yay! <laughs> No, there are strike team vampires. <gasps> oh my god, the the twin sisters, the twin Japanese sisters. Oh, the the oh. Lolitas. Oh my god. <laughs> oh, and, and on your website, uh you do have one of them. Yes. Yeah. Uh, book 2, the cover for book 2. <gasps> oh my god. First of all, first of all, Props to Bob Larkin who did the cover art. Yeah. Well, so, here's here's the funny part about this that, that that cover. That's based on a cover Bob did for Tomb of Dracula magazine number one back in 1979, where it was Dracula holding. Well, Bob did photo shoots back then, so it was um, uh, Steve Holland, his Doc Savage model, and also James Bama's Doc Savage model holding a penthouse pet. <laughs> and, and Bob turned that into a Dracula painting. So I, I went to him because Bob is the cover artist for the book series. And I said, I want you to knock off your old Tomb of Dracula cover. The problem was he doesn't quite understand goth Lolita uh, fashion and stuff like that. So I went to my Pandora's Wyback comic artist, uh, Zoo. Elizu Gavaya, and now I butchered his name, and he'll hate me forever. But <laughs> um, he designed the Gothelita, and then I gave it back to Bob, and I said, "Now turn that into a painting," and that was the final result. And because Bob is the man, he's he been, absolutely is. You're absolutely right there. He's been he he actually uh, I haven't posted photographs of it yet on the pan website he made me the pandora jacket i i i found the uh the uh um the leather site that sells the kind of jacket that bob used for the uh, the cover painting of blood feud yeah yeah oh, cool. and i and i bought it and i said to him would you paint the jacket for me <gasps> so he painted the sleeves with the flames on it. Nice. He, he sculpted the bat that hangs oh. off the shoulder. Oh. He even made the belt buckle. Wow. That's dedication. That's uh, well, he, was cool. to, he was totally into it, and he's been a pro for about 40 years. The so, cool thing for me was yeah. uh, just reading that opening, the, reading that first 50, 60 pages, and then going to the website and going, Fuck yeah, that is exactly what she looks like. Oh my god. <laughs> he literally went, Oh my god No, I didn't I didn't squeak, but I know Yeah someone, you did. Don't lie to us, Dome. I know someone who will when she looks at it. Squee! <laughs> <laughs> 
I mean, seriously, it was it was seriously just mind blowing. Really, incredibly, right, spot on. I did. Did he read that segment before he did it, or did he just work I, I, off your stuff? I sent a description of of um, Kiyoshi to um, to Zoo, and he did the sketch. I sent him a bunch of photographs that I swiped off the, the net uh, from the Harajuku section of Tokyo. Nice. So give him as much reference on goth lowly uh, fashion as possible. And then I said, now give me something. And uh, he had the description, so he worked out what you see in the final painting. And oh, then, that's the right outfit. Yeah, and then I gave the same stuff to Bob, and uh, he did the final look. Hot hotness. <laughs> but I knew that was hot since like 10 years ago, so, you yeah, know. But I it's news to all of, all of y'all, but I knew. It hit <laughs> I knew before you all did. eight cylinders. <laughs> Maybe. It really did. Uh, Steve, I've got to tell you, I am so looking forward to book two. So am I. <laughs> no, you know, Steve, it was really funny because Dome called me up and he's like, remember that band that you really liked when you were in high school, like you were totally into it? The Japanese one? And I was like, yeah, and he's like, it's in this book. And I'm like, you're mistaken. I went, oh no, I am not mistaken. I was like, how do you even remember their name? Like, how do you know that? How did you pick that up? Friggin' CDs sitting right here on my desk. No, you don't. Oh, yes, I no, do. No, I have them all. <laughs> oh, God, well, even I have some Shonen knife. It's all about the research. Oh, yeah. So we start <laughs> no, I mean, it's like a subgenre of a subgenre. Yep. We start <laughs> off with item 179. Yep. We learn the truth about item 179. And we learn the truth about Gothopolis and Pan and Annie. Do you think Wonder Woman has a tan? Probably not. Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. So, for those of our listeners who are going to be at Boston Comic Con, check out Steve. He's going to be there. Uh, Steve and I will be going out for drinks that night or something. <laughs> because... Uh, this, I cannot tell you, read the review I wrote of the book last month. We should have a Sci-Fi Saturday Night Meetup. We absolutely should. Oh my sure. god. They, they would mob, it would look like the, uh, the marathon. The streets would be mobbed. I know, I know. Everyone would be like, Illustrator X! And then we can all play Code Runner. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Steve, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Oh, it's thanks for having me on. <sighs> Guess what so time it is. Listeners, go out and buy the book. Absolutely. You'll have links. Wait a minute. Where can we buy the book, though, one last time? Oh, you can get it from Amazon or, or BarnesandNoble.com or from uh, my company, the Star Warp Concepts website. And all those uh, links will be on the page. Excellent. And the best part will be, bring it to Boston and have Steve sign it. Yeah. Yeah. 
And Maybe if I can wear four more. <laughs> Stick around, Steve. All right. Okay. Next week, we have the star of Aliens, Near Dark, Pumpkinhead, and Millennium himself, actor Lance Henriksen. <laughs> I knew there was a squeak coming. I could feel it. Okay, You'll be with author Joe Madry talking about Lance's new biography, Not Bad for a Human. Then on December 17th, we have a bone to pick with author Christy Peterson Schoonover and her novel, Skeletons in the Swimming Hole. Yeah, that's so clever. <laughs> Control yourself, please. Sorry. Sci-Fi Saturday Night is the official podcast of the Boston Comic Con and of Comic Art House, your one and only source for original comic artwork. Visit Bob and Kim at ComicArtHouse.com for the best deals on original art from dozens of your favorite artists. Tonight's outro music provided by Zenoise. Pick up their CD, The Benevolent Beast, on iTunes. Dome? I want to thank our guest tonight, Steve Roman, author of the new series, The Saga of Pandora's Way Back. Book one is called Blood Feud. Go out, get the damn thing. It's really cool. From the Revere Time Vortex, the sweetheart of the soundboard, Kriana. Darlin', thank you for all that you do. <laughs> See you later. From the Four Color Vault of Comics, great thanks to Illustrator X and that vivacious bombshell, the dead redhead. Good night, everyone. Night! From Outpost Gallifrey, our gaming editor, thank you, Java. It's dangerous to go alone. Take this. There's a stone stand. She needs shared pain is lessened, shared joy is increased. Thus do we all refute entropy. Good night, everyone. Oh, drat these computers. They're so naughty and so complex. I could pinch them.